What's up? Yo, how you doing? What's up? So, what are we doing? Welcome to the Loose Ends Podcast. The name is the name. It is what it is because we don't know what we're doing. We have no idea what we're doing. We have no clue. And so that's what Loose Ends means. It means to really have a fl- no flow, no set of events, nothing that is set in stone. You kind of just do what we feel. Let us float, yep. if you will. Yep. I'm Jack. I'm Spencer. And we're just gonna we're just gonna go where we feel. We're, this is a podcast. We we're, we're both Christian. Just get that out of the way. That does sound terrible. But um, so let's talk about just a couple of things. This setup, which I am running off of right now, is I'm so incredibly proud of it. But if you look at it from our eyes and you're from the outside's perspective, it is not impressive. Let's just talk about what we see. It does not look very impressive. I mean, we're literally in a bedroom with a table, mics, and a computer. But we couldn't be more proud. We couldn't be more proud. I just got this little um, audio voice box. Um, it's called a Focusrite. And then I just plugged a couple cords in there. We got two microphones set up. Um, but guess what? The microphones are hooked up to a textbook so I can weigh them down. The fold-up picnic table could hey, not hold School textbooks are used for something. Exactly. Useful. Microphone. We have a, a pre-calculus, a pre-calculus textbook, and that's what we're rolling with. Ooh, tough class. Okay, so where we live in San Diego, we won't talk about where in San Diego, but I mean nobody's gonna want to find us. Okay, it is. It has been raining so hard the last couple of days that a high school near us has completely flooded out. Let's talk about it. Yeah, Valhalla. I don't know if you know where it is, but it's a near school to us. There's been videos of floodgates going straight through like where the normal lockers are like the normal hallways and stuff it's actually pretty crazy like so the thing is right san diego infrastructure california in general we cannot handle heavy rain we got what two inches i mean some other places maybe got three or four yeah, this has been much. the last couple of days and cities within the big city of san diego where we live are being completely flooded out mainly ones in the valley and it's just, it's tough. It's really rough to go and look at videos on the internet, um, watching the news even. You just see f- five feet of water is present in many, many areas in the valley and near the Tijuana River, River Valley just south of us. And it is crazy to see. Yeah, like malls are getting flooded out. A lot of like loss of customers because of it too. Yeah, but, no, nobody's, nobody's going outside. Yeah. People, um, freeways actually, this is an interesting one. So freeways yesterday were completely shut down. So, you know, maybe you were going to work, you left, you had to be to work at 11. You started off a little bit later shift in the day. Well, rain had been settling in a little bit more. So the freeway completely shut. So people that were trying to get at work by 11, were not arriving until about 4 PM. That's how long yeah, they just crazy. sat there. Just saturating. Like, yeah. So, so by the title of the podcast, of this episode, I read the Bible in a year, and here's why you should too. So over the last January 7th or 8th of last year, 2023, is when I started it. And it was this Bible plan to read the Bible a little bit more every day. And this was by a pastor from England named Nicky Gumbel. And the plan lasts 365 days, so I finished it over a week ago. Congrats, congrats. And 
I have to say, it has been the most edifying experience of my life. And I learned that word just so I could use it for this context because it's just, I felt so much growth. And you, Spencer, have started the exact same plan. Tell me about it. You've gone 12 days. How has it been? It's been really good. I mean, new year, I'm trying to be a new me. I, past year, I was not reading my Bible enough. It was kind of sporadic. So new year, I thought I want to read the Bible every day. And YouVersion is an awesome website or uh, app that gives you the chance to do plans and it reminds you. So it's super helpful. So I've been doing that and I'm 12 days in now. I'm feeling, I don't know, I just feel, I feel pretty good with it. I've been super consistent. So which books are you starting off with on this, on this specific plan? Because a lot of the plans are different. Mm-hmm. Like my plan is, is completely different than another guy that I got on the plan this year after I finished mine. So I'm just wondering which few couple books are you diving into right now? Uh, right now it's doing about two chapters from Genesis and then it's going kind of, it's a little sporadic, but it's just the first chapter of each. So it's Genesis and then it's like, I think I did Proverbs mm. and a little bit of Psalms and stuff. So it's kind of like, it's kind of weird how it's spread out, but I mean, it gets all the books in. So I'm So does it start nice. off with a devotional talking about what you read and how it applies to the world or it could be applied to your life? It doesn't fully. It's more just the book, like the books, like the actual books, not like a person leading a devotion on that. So for any listeners that would like to try the same plan, which we both highly recommend, I mean, you haven't been in this for two weeks, but you still see how substantial it's affected you. So when you start this plan, don't sweat missing a day. I once for three months of this plan had one day that I hadn't caught up on. While you should catch up on it, you Mm -hmm. should do the extra day, but it shouldn't be something you should be stressed out about. This should not be a chore. And this hasn't been a chore for you, has it? No, it hasn't. It's just, well, actually what works best for me is I put it on the audio version. I hit play of the books and it reads it to me while I'm driving because I wake up at five every morning. I I get to the grind and I just like, I don't have much time to just sit down and read when like a normal book does so I find that that helps me get it like completed like no shame I mean you know there's people out there that are so adamant about you have to actually read the pages the physical pages but as long as you're taking in that knowledge I mean God's word should be dived into any way you can any way that's possible the fact that you're making time for it shows that you want to have a relationship with Christ and that's very very important but when you read this plan you shouldn't be as worried about the devotional portion. And any author of any 365-day Bible plan would Uh definitely agree with that because it's about reading the Bible. And on the plan that I had, um, the devotional was actually very, very long and it included prayers. Uh And sometimes I, I wouldn't do the devotional, but you have to make sure that you're reading the Word start to finish and you don't rush. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm... Yeah, something with the audio that I like is it reads it super slow, so it kind of helps me, like I'm dyslexic, so like me reading, I don't get the full impact of the words, so me hearing it helps me understand what it's saying, and like with it, like just like a normal, it's like an old guy that reads it. Oh, that's awesome. It's like an AI generated voice or whatever, but like it just helps me focus, because I'm also driving, Mm -hmm. so it's not like I can't read it, so it's... I don't know. It just helps me. I like, I prefer, honestly, I wish I would have done this. 
is reading it in the morning at the beginning of the day because once you you know you do your routine you wake up you do whatever but in the morning you're going to be able to take in this information a lot more yeah for sure because you should honestly start with the most important things that you want to take in in the morning the morning is you know how you start your day it, it can be the deciding factor on the rest of your day and how you're going to feel but i started reading the plan and every night even though i intended to read it earlier in the day i wouldn't read it until like right before i went to sleep mm-hmm. and that was tough yeah because you almost want to rush in that situation yeah, for me, before I did this plan, I always did it at night because that was the time that I could find time for myself because that was before I was doing morning workouts. Mm-hmm. So that, like, in the morning is now easier for me because I'm already up early instead of wanting to sleep in. But, I mean, I don't know. It all changes. When you read every single word of the entire book, once you've completed that, it feels... Yeah, it just feels like an achievement beyond what you could have comprehended before that. It's one book, yeah. but it's definitely the most important book you'll ever read in your life. And so there's a lot of things that I learned over this. That There's books of the Bible before this I didn't know existed. Oh, yeah, and I'm ashamed sure. to say, but what you're getting is you're not missing anything. When you go to church on Sundays and when you're getting the message you'll be reading maybe the, the the book of John or they'll be from Psalms. And eventually, sometimes, rarely on weekends, you'll hear from a book you don't usually hear from. But you, now that you're reading the Bible all by yourself and it's on your own time, you're able to dive into every single book and not skip a step. Yeah, touching on that, it's like going to church is amazing, but reading the Bible gets every single piece, like what you said, that I didn't know that like, I mean, I, everyone's heard, like, the prodigal son, all these huge, huge stories in the book, but there's so many little things that they leave out. I mean, it's hard to do a whole, like, hour and a half sermon on it, so I understand where it comes from, mm-hmm. like, doing the big ones for sermons, but, like, knowing all the little stories is super helpful. Well, and, like, pastors, yeah, but pastors really help you to understand the major points of the Bible, and they get the important stuff across they have points that they have to get to and so they usually use major major verses in the bible so that they can help to um so they can help to show what they're talking about and they so that they can help to um make their lesson better understood but when you take everything verse to verse there's going to be things that you have not seen before and oh, yeah. you're already you're already seeing that can you talk about some of the things that you hadn't necessarily read, or if you have read, it wasn't in depth yet. Um, I mean, we go to a Christian school, so we have a Bible class. And something big that turned me off from wanting to do this plan was last year we learned about Genesis and all the like stuff that happened in the beginning in the old book, or in the Old Testament, I mean. And so I was like, oh, I don't want to read that because we've already gone through it. But we were kind of skipping around, so me going back and, like, going through every single verse, every chapter, like, it's just so much more fulfilling because, I mean, I thought I was going to be tired of it already, but I, it's just, like, it's such a, like, a amazing thing. It feels, it makes you feel amazing. And once you reach the next books, you feel ready for it. And it's nice that it's not just starting start to finish, but you're also starting in the Gospels at the same time. Yeah. 
you go beginning of the New Testament, beginning of the Old Testament, and then the beginning of either Proverbs or Psalms, and then you push through in that direction the rest of the year until on the final day you're reading Revelation 22, Nehemiah, and a Psalm 150. Yeah. And it, it's great. Like, I didn't even, I've never dove into the book of Nehemiah or... That's a book? I've never heard of that. It's, it's the last book of the Old Testament. And at that time, the people in Israel were very faithful because they had to, um, they had to fortify their land as, you know, there were conflicts and issues. And it's not in the theme of the Bible, seemingly one of the major events that happens. I mean, you know, what, what you kind of remember is you remember Moses receiving the law. Yeah. You remember, you know, Jesus and the, the gospel is, is the main part yeah, of the yeah, Bible, yeah. but... Outside of that, you just remember Genesis, the, you know, what the Jews um, read as their Torah, yeah. the parts of the law, because that's what is the major point of figuring out what salvation is. Yeah. And that is the goal of, of reading the Bible. That's the goal of sharing yeah. the Bible and what's inside of it is so that people can get the message of the gospel. And so when you actually take it upon yourself to dive in. Read every book. You're gonna, you're gonna, like I already said, you're gonna reach information that you haven't seen before in books that you haven't seen before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True. It's what I'm looking forward to next year in Bible class is our teacher is super into apologetics and learning about other religions. So, I mean, I'm pretty blinded to all the other religions because I've been, I was raised as a Christian my whole life. So, it would be kind of cool just to see what everyone else sees in them, I guess. I don't know. But, yeah. Who do you think about interviewing? Which religion would you like to interview? I don't know. Because, I mean, Mormon would be kind of cool. Just because, like, you know, it's like the Bible, but they added other books. I don't I don't understand because there were other prophets or something that they make those up. Or what happened? Do you know? Um. Well, so um, I, 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 I'm not sure. Like, I'd like to study this religion a little bit more. But, um, you know, I'm not sure. They added to the Bible, there was a Book of Mormon, which is essentially like another, it was like another book after the New Testament. It was like the second New Testament. Oh, yeah. And so, um, so another thing that I want to get into is um, an era of football. You you were speaking to me. You were speaking to me about this earlier, uh-huh. and I don't understand it because I do not follow sports as closely as you do. I understand the significance of what's been happening, but you've been telling me that an era of football is now over. Yeah, for sure, because we've had, there's like football, there's old football, and then there's new football. It's the new coaches coming with new plays, new designs, and new plays on the offense, plays on the defense, and how they read those. So just recently, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, and Pete Carroll were all retired or Pete Carroll got fired because, I mean, they just he didn't work well enough with their offense. There's just no future there for him. There's no future. I mean, he won the Super Bowl in 2013, I believe. But, I mean, from there, it's kind of been a downfall. I mean, they haven't had many winning seasons. But this is not just in the NFL. This is also college football as well. Yeah, for sure. Nick Saban is a huge Alabama coach, which has, I believe, seven, don't quote me on it, I bet, I think seven national championships in his career. Yeah, Yeah, I think that sounds right. Um, That's just, do you think this is a a good thing, or do you think that football is entering a weirder 
age? Uh, I don't really know, but like, it's definitely change. I know people hate change, so it's gonna be a little hard to like grasp all these big names retiring. I don't fully know if Bill Belichick will just he's leaving the Patriots for sure, but I don't know if he will end up fully retiring or switching over to another team that works better with him because the Patriots were not it this year. I'll just tell you that. I mean, this happens in sports in general, like. Everything goes through its its cycles and eras. It's kind of like with baseball when you had Derek Jeter and mm-hmm. all of the guys that were like to him, A-Rod. Yeah. And now it's over. There's there's new eras that come from it, but the, the dominance that was in New England for a long, long time, yeah. it's just over. They're all gone. Yeah. I mean, Tom Brady was a huge leader in that. I mean... He he proved it by going over to Tampa Bay and winning another Super Bowl over there. I mean that's that just shows how amazing of a player he is. But you gotta imagine it's not sustainable, of course, because you know sport, professional athletes can only go so long, and there's there's a certain stress factor that comes with being a quarterback. Oh yeah, and you sure. can definitely speak to that. As you know, this year at our high school, you were kind of pushed into a position that it shocked you at first. Oh, yeah, for sure. You were now going to be the main quarterback, and every Friday night you said that you, during this season in your life, were not eating, and so you you lost 20 pounds. Yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of stress on your body, and, I mean, practices are, ours were three hours long, so it's just super tiring on your body. I mean, I was eating, but it was like, I was not eating enough where I was replenishing all the stuff I lost. So what's it like when it's it's Friday night? Um, we also have games on Saturdays because we don't we don't have a football field. But yeah, right before what what was going through your head? It, it couldn't have at first. It couldn't have been all good things. There had to be. Was there a factor of nervousness there, or did it get to the certain point where you, that nervousness turned into a hundred percent confidence? Um, I mean. I was super nervous because before I was the JV quarterback. So going from JV to varsity is a huge step. The speed, just the speed alone, and just the how the players play, which are so much like, they're so much more athletic and all that stuff. So it's just a huge step to get used to that. It it probably took me till week three to fully develop into a varsity player. I would say. So it's just a lot of like, like, that kind of stuff like. I wasn't fully, I mean, I was a little bit nervous stepping into that role because, I mean, the whole team is on your shoulders. Right. But, I mean, there's not much else you can do. It's not like where, right before the games, you couldn't eat anything, right? You were still able to at least have that that level of some comfort to where, you know, you Yeah, I could. Okay. But sometimes, I don't know, it just depended on the game. Some were really hard to focus in school. That was super hard for me in that opinion, or in that way, um, like thinking like I'm just sitting in math class. What's it? Yeah, no. What's it like on Fridays, in in school? I mean, this you know, freshman, sophomore, and junior year, you still played football on yeah. Thursdays or Fridays. What's the day of school like? Are you able to focus or? Because I've heard you've you've talked about this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Thursdays are walkthrough days, so I don't worry. I don't worry all week until the actual game day, which is our Friday, and um. So sitting through class, there's times I can like turn it off and just think all school, but then there's times 
which I'm just thinking about it, running through plays in my head, thinking about what I did right or wrong in practice that week, and how, like, because we watch a lot of film, and, like, especially as a quarterback, I'm supposed to watch a bunch of film, learning the other team, and, like, what they do when they're pressing, or they're off, all, like, I need to know their defense like crazy, and, I mean, that's something I'm going to work on more for this upcoming season, is just learning the defenses better, because I know that's something I kind of was a little bit lacking on, but, I mean, so Yeah, something that I always think, this this applies to everybody, this is not just, this is not just football, this is not sports, this is not specific to any performing arts, but you can sometimes get in this area where the week of, regardless of what you're doing, this could be in any area, mm-hmm. you learn something, and it's super fresh in your mind, but we all we tend to become uneasy. I mean, it's it's human nature to worry, and so sometimes we can get that in that mindset of, I just learned this thing, can I perform it? And we uh-huh. start to worry. I've done this myself a lot. Is I I tend to worry when I have to pick something up and then I have to perform it or I have to know it, recite it, do whatever. Maybe it's in the weekend. Maybe it's an event that I've had. I have. Maybe I'm um, working somewhere. Maybe I'm yeah. volunteering, and it's a skill. It always has to do with the skill. Like let's say you, let's say you're in drama and you remember a certain set of lines and you have to recite that new upcoming. We can always find ourselves disassociating with wherever we are at the moment, because as we should, what we should do is we should take everything as it comes. We should live in the moment, but. We start to worry, and we recite, we practice, and we think about the thing that we're worried about, whatever it is, and then it leads to us forgetting about and becoming behind in other aspects of our life. Yeah. Like, it's like how during school, you're not focused on anything that's going on. Maybe you're talking to somebody, you're not really engaged in the conversation because you're just worried about that one thing, and that can be a problem. Yeah, it definitely is. I mean, it's also weird how just like practice and getting like repetition of that also helps make you feel more comfortable like even in school like you just learn this new math math like a section or whatever the first like two three days you're stressing because you have no idea how it works or like am I going to be able to get this so then it's just practice and practice and then you finally like oh I can kind of get this and then the test comes up and then you feel like you can do it so that's kind of like just the way that you, like, you can apply that to sports, you can apply that to whatever. Like, practice does make perfect, right. in my opinion. But sometimes, and it's going to happen, with whatever area of expertise we're in, we're not going to get enough practice, and we have to perform what yeah. we have been practicing. And a lot of doubts can creep in. It, it, it It's not a godly thing. It's not a godly thought. God is not going to put that thought in your mind to yeah. doubt yourself. And... It, it can become a lot easier for the devil to put thoughts like that in your head and make you doubt your ability. But a good thing to remind yourself of is just God's in power. And it's easier said than done. Yeah, it definitely like, is. You can say, I have faith in God. I'm fine. But then then it comes down to it. You worry anyways. It takes a lot of practice to get into a better mindset about that. Yeah, it is. It's it's just hard to like think about it like when there's no pressure it's easy to be like, oh yeah, God's got me, everything's good. 
But then when a little something like pushes on your door, it's just like some people just, I mean, me, me too. Some people just turn off their God. Like that sounds weird how I'm saying it. But no, like, it makes perfect sense. But like they turn off God. So then it's like thinking all about themselves. I mean, everyone does it. Everyone's human, but it's just, it's hard because some people are better than others at trusting on God, trusting in God in those certain like circumstances in their life. But I don't know. It's, it's just hard. Right. It's like, even when an earthquake happens, when you're driving on the road and somebody swerves, there's almost a car accident. Yeah. In that one moment, I feel like I'm forgetting everything sometimes. Like... I forget all about God's grace and love. In that one moment where I get scared, yeah. it all of a sudden goes away, and it can be frustrating. That's that's right? why they train you in like for sports. Like in those moments, they want to train you so that you have all the capabilities. And in that split second, split why did I say split second? Split s- second Woo! situation. <laughs> finally, um, you can perform to your full like potential without like having to think. Right. Through all your movements. But it's it's just like war. That That's the way war, how war, especially the more major ones in history, turn out how they did. It's because there was a plan. The people thought they knew what they were going to do. They had an idea. And then the second the fear comes in, they just forget everything. Yeah. It's, it's literally like that Mike Tyson quote. Everybody has a plan. Until they get punched in the face, right? <laughs> I've never heard that. Then you just resort to whatever it is that you've done the most. Whatever it is yeah. that your muscle memory is. You're not going to recite. You're not going to think of some formula in your head and go through the steps about what it is. You're going to react. You're in a state of yeah. reaction at that point. That's how you know historians look at war is there, there was a plan. Somebody had a plan. And then these events happened. These bad things happened. And then it just turns into... All chaos. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's just crazy how, like, fast things can change, too. Mm-hmm. I, it's just, like, yeah. Chaos is so easy. Once I was in a store. This was in Arizona. I was in a Walmart. Uh-huh. I, was, I couldn't have been more than eight years old, but I remember this because of what happened. The, the power goes out. There's, there's a monsoon in this big store, and power goes out in a Walmart. Chaos. The, the people in the Walmart started beating each other up. <laughs> they started beating each other up and stealing. Like, the second <laughs> the power goes out, even at our school, when we're in an assembly or we have chapels on Wednesdays, which is when we get a message from the speaker, and we're all in this big room. Remember when it, a couple weeks ago it was raining and the kids were freaking out? Literally just a few drops came on stage, and everyone, I'm not kidding, got up from their seats, sprinted outside. I mean, we leave our backpacks out, but, I mean, still, I don't know why everyone just, like, Full sprint. There was probably like 400 kids that got up instantly. No, but that's scary to think about. If that happened on, on a, a wider scale, th- disorder came that quick. Yeah, for sure. Everybody, The teachers could not get the kids to calm down. Like, what are they going to do about 400 kids doing something? They can't do anything. No, they can't do anything. And if it gets into an even worse situation where, you know, God forbid something happens and people are in an unsafe position... Whoever is to help are going to be worried about their family. Yeah. They're, they're going to they're gonna go home. They're not, there's going to be nobody to call. And it's scary how like one little event like that can start a chain of reaction to thoughts, which, which I had, of what could happen. Yeah. It, and it's really creepy. It's really scary. But at this Walmart, it was just chaos. And the power went out for it – was, it was one day. 
Yeah. So think about what the ha- what, what would happen if that happened on a, on a wider scale. Were you on a vacation or? I what? was. I was in just summer. Yeah, I guess it was. It was a vacation. It was really hot that weekend. Oh really? I mean, yeah. that's bad for. I mean, no AC with no power, right? Yeah. No, the AC went out. The only good thing was that there was water coming from the sky, right? Yeah. That's that good. was the only thing that cooled us off, but. Like at places like these, when you're in the desert during the summer, I feel like anything could happen. Yeah. Like storm, you're on God's time. God decides everything that happens. God decides the forecast. You know, um, deaths happen because the forecast says one thing and then God just has a different plan. Yeah. Speaking on, uh, you were talking about the desert there for just a split second. When was the last time you went to the desert? That was, it was a couple weeks ago for New Year's. And I always have this, I have this New Year's ritual that I just established this year. So it's not, it's not much of a ritual because so I've done, first year. <laughs> done it once, but, um, I, I jump in about a below 40 degree swimming pool. Okay. Like a polar plunge. It's a, it's a terrible ritual. It's a, there's nothing <laughs> special about it, but you know, I, it feels like a fun way to start off the year, but going, going out. To the east into the desert from where we are is, is a great is a great way to spend our New Year's just doing whatever. But yeah, for sure. Uh, what were you riding if that's what you were doing? Can Am, um, two seater. The new Can Am two seater. Have you seen the twenty twenty four? I have not. Twenty twenty four. It's a ridiculous car. In races in Baja in Mexico, they are beating everybody like they're standing still. The two seaters are the, the new car. Is is paddle shift? Okay. Yeah. So it's it's not automatic transition it's all manual so you will literally be able to ride next to one of those things and you hear it go yeah, yeah, yeah. hear them shifting and um just looking at the car what it looks like it's completely different than other years oh yeah the suspension the back everything is completely different and good or bad i'd say it's good but that I means those cars are becoming a lot more expensive oh yeah like you talk about the baja or Baja, like, I love watching the Baja 1000. It's always been a goal. Like, when I was little, I was like, I want to race in that. Now, looking at how much all this stuff costs, I, like, it's... a risk factor, too. And the risk factor, like, the amount of people that, like, yeah. die or, like, get severely injured is crazy. Because Mexico is a place largely without law and order in many yeah. places. So, you're on a trail, you... The week before the actual race, you go through the trail and you kind of cut things out. You make your own course a little bit. Yeah. You, you, you know, you feel it out. But pe- what people like to do during the Baja races, doesn't matter if it's, it doesn't matter if it's 50, 100, 250, 500, 1,000. Yeah. They go on the trail and they want to make you crash. Oh, like those, uh, the locals, a lot of them, they bury mattresses in the dirt. They put holes, jumps, all that stuff. It's crazy. Like the amount of wipeouts and stuff that happened because of it. It's really sadistic to have that be something that you look forward to. I know. It's crazy. These people are, they're not okay after they crash. No. Die, break bones, be, become paralyzed. It, it's, it's horrible. But the, the vehicles now that are oh out my, there they're crazy. are next level. Six, we're talking six-figure cars, but, you know, the speeds. The, 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 the new trucks Polaris. are hauling, too. Have yeah. you heard about the new Polaris? I Razor Pro R. It's, it's a phenomenal car, but it's now becoming half of a hundred grand. It's becoming a $50,000 plus car just for stock. Oh my gosh. And 
these people aren't just driving stock cars. If they win a win, they have to, you know, deck it out. Oh, they put at least 50, 100 grand in there. Yeah, yeah, race cars. And then what stands a chance to get one of those? But I'll tell you, the new Can-Am two-seater is actually capable of beating any other car except the one car that I heard is able to match it or surpass it. Most of the time, surpass it is an aftermarket Pro R, which it makes sense. But for a stock car, you're getting a lot out of it. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I've always wanted a Polaris, but, I mean, I don't have that kind of money. Oh, yeah, no. Yeah. Um, but, um... Age, hey, with, with age comes cage. You're on a, you're on a dirt bike. Life's good. Life's good. Yeah. Uh, some... I've always wanted... I've got the opportunity, actually, this next coming year, to be able to go to the Baja 1000. And, uh, my cousins work oh, really? in the pits. Oh, wow. So I might be able to be, like, like, being able to, like, travel around and be the pit crew which would oh be are you, cool. you're gonna be a chaser yeah so that like you're gonna have to hop in the truck and then chase the chase the people down to their pit stop not f- well yes but not fully because there's gonna be a few different vehicles so it's like it's not as if it was just one van then it's kind of like you're hopping and trying to beat them there mm-hmm. but it's gonna be probably like five five vans or something so it's like a lot more laid back if that makes sense being in mexico is it's so weird because you're in Tijuana. There's there's lawlessness. There's a fraction of the law and order that San Diego has. And California is America's getting worse. Oh yeah, California right? has so many like stupid laws that just like stop. Did you hear that the the motorcycles? I believe the newest ones aren't are only able to like ride on tracks, not even in the desert. The newest. Oh yeah, the new law that's passed that they're trying to prevent use of the desert as on trails yeah but mexico in general like it's better because you know there's a lot more freedom to do that kind of stuff but going to a resort down there and you're not too far from la jolla san diego that yeah. like that's a nice place you're super you're super close to there and just to think about a half hour south you're in a place where you might get kidnapped if you go down there you can't trust a lot of the things that you're given on the side of the road vendors yeah. And being down even further, going to Cancun, when I visit there, the area that you stay in with all the resorts is completely safe. But that's because everything down there is cartel-owned, right? So we, as soon as we get behind in this little area, it's a strip of land with all the, res- the resorts and hotels. Uh-huh. We'll see uh, a big truck and a big gun with all these guys wearing masks and they're just ready to rock. That would be so scary if you saw it. It's terrifying. And one of those times we were walking across the tree, uh, across the street to the mall just to go get ice cream and there's there's a cartel truck right there. They have skull masks on. Their hands are on a huge heavy machine gun. They all have AR15s and they just, you know, they wave us by. They say go Cool. And we have to be, we have to act like it's super generous. Thank you so much. Yeah. For letting us pass, but deeply inside, we're terrified. Where were you at? This was Cancun, Mexico, deep down south. Is that by Ensenada or, you know? I don't know. Because <laughs> last time I went to Ensenada, it's it was actually really nice because you're right kind of by the beach. So I mean, there was I didn't see any of that kind of stuff happening. But I mean, that was probably 2018. Last but it is happening yeah. down there. It's just, you know, being an American, you're, you're a lot safer because they need your business. Yeah. That's how they're going to make money. But 
it, it's just it was it was scary to see that like oh yeah especially sure. everywhere we go we see huge armored trucks yeah you know there's it, it's a lovely place though but um, the time my sister went there right after she left she had a coworker that was there at the same resort that I was staying at when when we were all there as family yeah and they they had to lock down the entire hotel and all the surrounding hotels because the cartel decided they wanted to behead about three rival members on the beach in front of the resorts. Oh wow! So that that is what stops people from wanting to go down there. It has so much to offer. Yeah, I mean, there was a time that we couldn't even go down there, like during the. Do you remember when was it? Was that twenty twenty that if you were in Mexico you couldn't even come back? Yeah, they had, they had actually the strictest, some of the strictest COVID laws. Yeah, and you don't want you don't want to break the law down there. Oh, definitely one of the prisons. I mean, if you if you even run like a yellow light, sometimes you're pulled over. The way they the way they drive down there is nuts, though. Yeah, it was so funny just getting on the shuttle from the airport to the hotel. I almost I almost like their style of driving a little bit more because it's just whatever. Yeah. Like, if, if if I'll swerve, I'll freak out. But, you know, we're, we're, we're swerving, we're slamming on our brakes. It's And everybody's doing the same thing. Nobody gets mad at each other. Yeah. It's I, it's kind of a cool style. Yeah. Right? I mean, my favorite videos I see online are when someone cuts in front of a cop. Like, you know, like those cops that like are in just a normal car. Right. I love it when they just cut in front of them and then they end up turning on their lights. I don't know. I just find those so entertaining. Are you talking about in Mexico or? No, I just. In just like, in general? In general. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. a lot of those. There's like a phobia now that, not a phobia, but a fear, I should say, of it's the same thing. Of a, car, of Ford event. Expeditions in general. Oh, if yeah, I see for a sure. Ford oh, I'm Explorer or Expedition, because they, they you know, they kind of look the same from the front. If I see one coming at me, I slow down no matter what. Yeah. I'm not, I'm probably not even speeding, but it's still like, oh my gosh. Or like when you pass just like, like a cop car or like even like a security truck i don't know but it's just like i tense up and i'm like go a little under the speed limit and just oh, yeah. like i'm just trying not to like draw attention when i'm probably drawing more attention to myself so back to your you were wondering where ensenada was and if it was closing can uh, ensenada is like right below tijuana okay on yeah. the baja strip and then cancun is deep deep down a lot of people from texas actually go to cancun that's you know what, why uh, it's it's like really close. They can get a direct flight from Dallas oh, okay, okay. down, and so I met a lot of people. A lot of people that go to like Southern schools. Met a lot of Roll Tide people down there. Roll Tide, baby. Roll Tide. Actually, not anymore. Going no, back on that, a lot of people decommitted from Alabama. Yeah. Because of our, our fellow Californian Julian Sands, he was he was I think a four star or maybe even a five star. That was signed or committed to Alabama, and then after the news that Nick Saban retired, he he decommitted quickly, and I believe he's going to Ohio State now. So Ohio State, my mom always wanted me to go there. Why? Good education, I guess. It's just the name. I don't know, but college is I'm trying to figure out where that is gonna where I'm gonna go right now. I think I want to go to Liberty University. I, I I really hope that I get in though. Yeah. It only has a 99.3% acceptance rate, so might be in that 0.7, you know? It doesn't make it. That's actually pretty pretty broad. That's very high. 
There's actually a joke. Uh, Little Nas X, we shouldn't give him attention. No. Out of all he does, for those of you who don't know, don't look him up, but let's just say he he's mocks the Lord, and recently he, he pretended, he, it's blasphemy what he did, yeah. but he pretended to get accepted into Liberty University. He said, I'm changing my ways. And so he posted on his Instagram, actually, a fake acceptance letter from Liberty University that he got in and that he wanted to change his ways. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm visiting in a couple weeks. I didn't... I don't want to go to the same university as this guy. Yeah. I bought into it. Maybe I was being too gullible, but I actually bought into it. I thought he was going there. How low can you be, though, to, like... That's this, so lame of a person to do that. But it's it's not even for a purpose. It's not even for a cause. He gets entertainment because he he wants the attention in that way. Yeah. And it's not a good way to have a t- attention. It is not sustainable. Okay? If he has to do that, maybe you're not as talented as you say you are, Right? Yeah, you have for to sure. Do something like that. I guess that's just the sign of the times. People have to do that in order to maintain relevancy. Yeah, I mean it's hard being like you can be the most relevant people. Like when we were younger, who was super big? Um, right, like um, you can't, can't even even think like, about it. Right, we can't. Tanner Fox, I'll give him as an example. Other YouTube, oh, we're going to YouTubers. I mean, I'm just saying in general, but he was huge. Like when I was younger, mm-hmm. he was like rising. I mean, he's not even that big of a guy, but I mean, a lot of people know who he is. Because it was a niche thing. You guys was we a were into it. Kids were and into now, it. now, I was kind of the main target audience. So now that I'm older and I don't really watch much YouTube anymore, now I fell out of his, like, feed. Once so those generations grow up, once those kids grow up, get interested in other things, then their careers are over. Like, Do Perfect's a huge example. I mean, still going. I mean, they're still growing. They're still growing and stuff, but like... They were, like, at, like, 30 million subscribers. And then to get to 60, I mean, 30 is a lot. But how fast they grew from 10 to 30 or 40 was super rapid. Now it's just, like, a slow... A lot slower. A lot slower, yeah. yeah. I mean, it happens. Um, it's just a, it's just a nat- it's just a natural process. But yeah. if you have to sell your soul like that in order to maintain your relevancy, then you're not actually really worth anything. Like, there's theories in Hollywood, right, about, you know, what people actually have to do to maintain fame. And I'm not saying it's true, probably not, but there's a theme that some people actually follow of having to dress up as a girl. They have to wear a dress. Yeah. And a rapper named Kid Cudi did it, um, and other people have done it, I'm not sure, but mainly in the music industry. And so... What I heard it was is it represents, in order to become a part of this club, because famous people, A-list celebrities, they're all probably a part of a club, but in order to actually become a member, you have to be embarrassed. Yeah. Right? Maybe that's an initiation. That's what I've heard. Now, I don't know if I believe in it, but all these people follow a weird pattern of doing things like that to maintain relevancy, or at least get it in the first place. Yeah. I mean, and then a lot of things happen when they're trying to push it too hard and then nothing comes out of it like they're just like squeezing it dry their whole audience just sucking the life out of what they had yeah right these people a lot of time these people start off normal yeah like it's sad to watch the one rush that they desire the main the main drug is fame so they have to keep constantly getting crazier and crazier and crazier to get that same attention that they started off with yeah Take that, you see, at the beginning, yeah. it's just like, 
a lot of these people that got famous got one video that blew up and then after that it's kind of they've never looked back but it's hard from putting zero effort in to getting crazy views to now putting in so much effort and getting zero views but let's talk music sam smith yeah you know, okay Sam Smith started off his music career over 10 years ago, but he was wearing suits in his music videos. Yeah. He was wearing suit and tie, super clean, you know, dressed like Michael, Michael Buble, looked like he had class, but now it's gotten to the point where he's dressing up as the devil in serious? his music videos. And what is it for? What's the purpose? Like, people liked your music, right? Yeah. But it just it just raises the question as to why people want to do that and what they're doing it for because it can't make you happy yeah i know i feel like a lot of that is to get on the headline you know what i mean yeah it's like headline. like i do something so outrageous that it gets on all the news networks yeah that's a good point and then like on google there's a feed that just shows all the top news i want my name on that then it's like oh i remember that guy let me check out his music again uh check out his music again even though it's a bad thing i mean it turns a lot of people away from who right. they are especially like christians or other religions that just like turn away from that but i just like a lot of people think that that's would like spark interest again even right. like that makes sense not in the same way but like i feel like taylor swift and travis kelsey how much i like despise how this happened and all this stuff as like a football fan like they got each got so much fame because of this mm-hmm. it's crazy do you think that the the camera guy that gets Taylor Swift sitting in her box is on salary just for that reason? Bro, probably. It's it's so annoying. I saw a touchdown this this uh, following weekend or this last weekend of not even Travis Kelsey scoring a touchdown, and the camera instantly went to Taylor Swift. No, it's he, so irritating. The there might be a game plan. I don't know to just get the ball to Travis, get Travis far enough or get him into the end zone and then instantly shoot the camera up to Taylor Swift. Oh, there's I'm I'm not kidding. There's a camera staying on there probably the whole time. He's it on salary. Change. He's probably on salary. Oh, definitely for sure. What that number is, how much he's making, uh, that'll come out later, but I'm excited. She probably to tips him to be honest. Oh, she she's a hey, she's a generous tipper. That's what I've heard. <laughs> she gave after her tour, she gave all of her bus drivers 100 grand each bonus. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah. she makes bank, though, so... I mean, I can drive a car. How, how hard is it to drive a bus, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, the funny thing, though, is... Did you hear that Taylor Swift's cat has a higher net worth than Travis Kelsey? Cat? Her cat. How does that work? I have no idea. Maybe it was on a music video or something, but, like... So, if it's worth more than Travis Kelsey, who is one of the top players in the NFL, then we are not even comparable to the cat. I don't understand how that... That one cat is worth a thousand of us plus. That's that's weird. Cat. How many cats does she have? One? Uh, I believe one. I don't know. I'm not really a Swifty as they We're call not. It. It's a shame. We should be. A lot of entertainment there, but you know that 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 camera. I'm trying to figure out that how much that camera guy makes. What's Bro, up? hold on. I just looked it up. The net worth for the cat is ninety-seven million. Okay, okay. Like, what does the cat do? Is it indoor, is it a brand? Here, let me just read what it says. Taylor Swift's cat has a higher net worth than the singer's rumored boyfriend and NFL star Travis Kelsey. The cat named Olivia Benson 
has a net worth of $97 million. This makes the feline one of the richest cats in the world. What breed is it? Uh, I don't know. It just looks white. <laughs> I don't, white I don't really understand cat breeds as well as dog breeds. Oh, here we go. Uh, why is it so rich? Uh, it's appeared in many music videos. Um, How does the cat get paid for that? <laughs> it says, big earnings thanks to her mom's clout. Oh my gosh. Man. This is stupid. It even has a last name, Olivia Benson. But if it was a dog, it'd be worth more. Yeah, because dogs are more superior. Dogs are always going to be superior to cats. No offense, but yeah. So episode one has been fun. We'll be back consistently with more episodes. Just boom, boom, boom. Um, Next week, maybe? Share this with your friends if you want to. We're not pushing you into anything. But we're kind of pushing you. If you listen to this far, you're awesome. And we're a little bit surprised, maybe. We're maybe a little bit surprised. But thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Any any last words, Spencer? Thanks for listening. Yes. (laughs) All right, guys. See ya. Thank you so much.